A bucket of glue, a brush and a stack of paper. Those are the instruments of the crime that we're looking at in this story. And it's about advertising. Advertising namely in public space. And as you will know, it's everywhere. But who can own public space? And if anyone can own public space, what are they allowed to do with it? What are the rules? Sorry, Miss Blanchard. Covering over this ad. Why? Because ads are shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you reckon about them? Why do you think that? Why do you think they might be shit? <coughs> They're annoying when I'm trying to wash it in. Yeah, that's a good reason. But yeah, the the police have um, they take me to court all the time, and I you know don't apologise, and they've sent me to jail for this heaps of times. I should introduce myself. James Milsom is my name. I'm trained as a lawyer. I have many lives. Uh, this is now one of them. This is a podcast series about law and order, uh, loosely speaking, stories about the law, legislation, regulations, uh, all of the things that we do to keep ourselves and each other in order, to protect ourselves, to protect each other, and to make sure things don't go wrong. This is The Rule Book. Rules that we make and sometimes break. I went out with Kyle McGee, who, as you may have figured out, was obscuring advertisements at a tram stop just near Melbourne University. And it was a windy day. Some skater kids took over the interviewing duties from me. I was grateful. And when I got the chance to interview Kyle, I started by asking expertly, I might add, what colour paint he started out using. Oh, well, if it's red, it was Uluru. But if there was a purple one that was called Razzle Dazzle <laughs> that I always remember too. But I was just buying mist tints, like, you know, any colour. Yeah, so it started there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started painting over them and all my friends were very confused and I did it a few times until facing everyone's confusion and not being able to explain myself very well. I thought I should stop for a while and work on explaining exactly why I'm doing it. And so, yeah, I worked in a rubber factory and tried to, you know, explain myself in writing at night for a while. And, um, you know, I got better at it because previously I was just like science and engineering kid, didn't really have like the language to, to talk about what I was, you know, concerned with. And it's fair to say that Kyle has uh, become extraordinarily good at talking about what he's concerned with. He uh, has a website, globalliberalmediaplease.net, where it's all explained. Um, There's a zine that someone put together uh, collecting his words. Now, though, given that we're all here in your headphones, I think it's really important to play you some of what Kyle's motivations are as they came out when we spoke. The problem with for-profit advertising is that it's just completely colonised all of our culture and it's sort of becoming, it kind of is our culture. It's just everywhere all the time and um, it's completely unnecessary and damaging, you know. It uh, sort of encourages these extrinsic values, they're called, that, you know, you, you become more materialistic, you worry about all these personal 
satisfactions and, you know, it leads people to be unhappier in the long run. I don't know. It's so hard to, like, pin down this shit. It's sort of like, it's not really something that I do or even practice doing. I just kind of think everyone knows advertising shit and it's unnecessary. Um, I guess the onus is on someone else to claim that it is a worthwhile thing. Like how many millions of dollars are spent on telling people to, to get certain things when you know people's needs are always going to exist. They don't need to be manipulated or encouraged. We're in a position where we kind of have to think more about what we need and what we don't need and the consequences of the things that we consume. Advertising is not going to lead us to that. It's just going to continue to try and ramp up demand and, you know. From my point of view, if you have a good in service, then you have a right to put out your shingle. That's Charmaine Moldrick of the um, Outdoor Media Association. could be... Um, oh, a mum and dad company, it could be a, a single operator or it could be a multinational. Um, and it is a byproduct of, I think, the society we live in. And I think if you live in this society and you get the benefits from it, and there are benefits to it, then advertising is a given. I asked Charmaine about the laws and morality around ads in public space from the point of view of the industry? Public spaces have uh, a series of audiences and people within it and we have to be cognizant of uh, the general society. But to say that there is one point of view that comes from the general population uh, is to homogenise us and and, um, give a false impression of who this general population is. So one just assumes that, um, you know, we are waiting to rampantly um, advertise, give people stuff that they don't want, um, and somehow the community tells us to pull our heads in. I don't think it's as simple as that, and I also don't see the world as being that black and white. The way it dominates public space is completely undemocratic. You get like the, the greatest voice to the richest entities and those richest entities are always driven by the idea of more profit for them. That's it's not democratic at all. And it, yeah, it sort of homogenises the messages that you, you get in public space and across our media. And that's really good background for the players who come next into the foreground of this story, the police. You know, I'd internalised the police and thought that as soon as I touched the, like, paint roller onto the billboard, a cop car would come around the corner and I'd be under arrest, handcuffed and all that, but it took a long time. I was using um, high-vis work gear as camouflage in the middle of the day and, um, yeah, I'd I'd picked out, like, three or four spots that I was going to paint over and then as soon as they were replaced with advertising, paint over them again. So the idea was never to get away with it I was always going to get caught Um, but yeah it took a long time when I was first um, caught I think it was when an advertising guy was um, giving a tour to potential clients of their their billboard sites so he pulled over with a car full of women who were the clients representatives and was just like what are you doing 
And I was like, oh, I'm painting over this billboard. I think I was pretending that I was employed by somebody and it was all just a bit of confusion. But yeah, that was pretty funny. All the clients were like saying, this is the most confusing thing I've ever seen and good stuff like that. But yeah, then the police came. Covering over the ad is like an expression of, hey, advertising's crap, maybe we don't need it. But the fact that I'm doing it to the point of getting caught and saying I'm not going to do it again is really the main part of it. It's just me saying, like, this is so wrong that I won't live with this. And, you know, your law's protecting this, but I think your laws are wrong. And, you know, rather than running and hiding, which is like an admission of guilt in a way, I want to say, no, I did this. I think I'm justified in doing this. This is why I did it. And I was about to say not everyone got it, but I think that it's more reasonable to say that um, almost no one got it to the extent that people in the justice system were seeing what Kyle was doing as having some connection to mental illness. Yeah, I was pathologized for a long time because I guess I was like more emotionally raw at that stage. And um, you know, the police asked me why I was doing what I was doing and I explained how I was unhappy with the system. I must have mentioned the word depression and then they took me to the Royal Melbourne Hospital to have me assessed by a psychiatrist to see if I was fit to interview. And he said, yeah, he's fit to interview. He understands what he's done and there's consequences and everything about it. So Kyle kept on going around Melbourne, painting over billboards in mist tint colours, wearing his high-vis vest and getting arrested by police over and over again uh, until... Eventually, he was uh, locked up and told that he couldn't have bail. He couldn't have bail because he kept doing it and he wouldn't promise not to do it again. And so the magistrate said, if you want to be free, you've got to promise not to break the rules. Um, Given that you won't do that, you can't be free. Time passes. The magistrate eventually tells Kyle that she's going to do him um, what she sees as being a favour. Yeah, so she organised a special out-of-visiting-hours visit for me under the magistrate's court with my parents, where my parents were, of course, saying, you know, just say you won't do it again, stop doing it. And, you know, I had to look at my parents, who were quite upset, and say, no, you know, I'm going I'm to keep doing this. And then came back upstairs and told the magistrate, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this. So, you know, she kept me, kept me in custody. A week or so after that, Kyle was released on bail. I've got to disclose, I know Kyle through some friends at university uh, and he studied science and engineering at Melbourne Uni. He's a very good football player by all accounts. The difference is probably that while the rest of us are leaving our cubicles at work to go home and watch Deal or No Deal, assuming that's still on the air, Uh, and then falling asleep on our couches. Uh, Kyle is dedicated and committed to this protest, this activism um, that enlivens him, and it's seen him go to jail. So I think I've done 157 days on sentence and then another 30 or something days that were never um, sentenced because when I spent 72 days on remand when I eventually went to trial for what I was on remand for. I was sentenced to less than time served. And yeah, I was recently sent for seven days, like last October, but I totally forgot about all that. 
you know, time that I've served that hasn't been accounted for that I could have used, apparently. But um, I'm sure I'll have plenty of opportunities to use that in the future. But yeah, it hasn't been that long. And over time, through these multitudes of court appearances and uh, prison terms and bail applications and whatnot, Kyle's passion is never lessening, but his focus, his strategic focus, is narrowing. Well, I kind of changed my MO from painting over large billboards to painting over uh, tram, shelter, glass panels because, you know, it caused no permanent damage. The paint could just be washed off the panel. And, um, yeah, I did that before before, uh, the human rights case that we ran in the Supreme Court, the first one. So, yeah, at that point I was painting, but painting over tram shelters. Again, Kyle's arrested, charged, convicted in the magistrate's court, and this time he appealed to the Supreme Court. He had a lawyer from Legal Aid who helped him formulate a legal argument, and the argument was on the basis that everyone in Victoria is entitled to these human rights. Um, One of the human rights is that the right to freedom of political expression, and what Kyle was doing, they argued was political expression. He was free to do it. And there was law on their side, a case from Canada. Okay, let me give you the background quickly so that we can get to the meat of this case. Ontario and Canada, local government made uh, some regulations that said that you're not allowed to post bills. What are bills? They're the things that you see all over the place, on uh, often on construction sites, big posters that are advertising uh, often gigs and raves and that sort of thing. Anyway, they made the rule, you can't post bills anymore in Peterborough, Ontario, Canada. Not everyone was happy with it. But the city held firm, and to emphasise its point, eventually charged another long-time Peterborough musician, Ken Ramsden, known as Reverend Ken, with an alleged violation of that bylaw, and that triggered this protest. We support our space, we shall not be moved. It's being billed as a constitutional battle for the freedom of expression of every musician and artist in Canada. Well-known entertainer Ken Ramson faces two charges of posting signs on public property to advertise his local performances. But he argues that without this kind of promotion, his performances and performances in general would visibly suffer. And actually Kyle explained the rest of the case best in our interview. I think the prosecution took to the Supreme Court after he had a victory in in the court below that. But um, yeah, he was basically running a human rights defence and that decision said postering is is a legitimate human right that needs to be protected. So I was postering over the ads to make that case more applicable to my human rights argument. Over the centuries, people have been sticking up political posters and it fosters... Community decision-making. I can't remember exactly the language they used, but, yeah, they said, yeah, it's a, it's a legitimate cultural thing that should be protected. And, yeah, I guess the difference in my case is I was using posters to cover over something that was paid for, and, you know, the justice system's obviously more interested in protecting that than it is the human rights. So Kyle's Supreme Court hearing takes place. Think Whigs gowns, lawyers, pomp, and the judge in Kyle's case, and I'm simplifying here, said a couple of things, well, no, he said many, many things, 
Among them, uh, these are a couple. One, we all get freedom of expression, but only, quote, informed by public policy considerations inherent in the nature of a free and democratic society, end quote. And, these public policy considerations mean Kyle's expression was not protected by human rights law in Victoria. The judge talked about how Kyle's expression was graffiti, which Kyle didn't agree with. The judge said it was the destruction of private property, which became the catalyst for another change. So then after that Supreme Court case, I thought I could do the same thing over tram shelters with posters. And, you know, for some reason, paint in people's mind is really permanently damaging and posters are not, even though the cleaning can be very similar and the lasting like, impact on a surface can be, you know, could you know, be the same. Uh, so, yeah, I started postering over ads after that Justice Cairo decision. And um, it was not only because it was less serious in the minds of police and magistrates and judges, it was also because then the, um, the idea that Parliament intended that any expression be protected which um, which passes through section 15 is completely crazy. Kyle's talking about section 15 of the Victorian Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities. Section 15 gives a right to the freedom of expression. Uh, it says that expression can be orally, it can be in writing, it can be it can be in print, it can be art or Importantly, it can be in another medium chosen by the person doing the expressing. The idea that Parliament intended that any expression be protected, which um, which passes through Section 15, is completely crazy. And, you know, we'll have rapists and mass murderers running around getting away with everything if we, if we think that the limitations in Section 15 are enough. Yeah, so the section also says that there are limits on how freely you can express yourself. You've got to respect the rights and reputation of other persons. And your expression is also limited by the need to protect national security, uh, public order, public health and public morality. Now, Section 15 has been talked about a bit in the courts since the Charter of Human Rights came into force a few years ago. It's been talked about in lots of different contexts, including XFJ and the Director of Public Transport. So that's the name of a case. The case is about a taxi driver who was banned from driving taxis. A newspaper ran a headline that said, Kill a cabbie on our roads. That news article also pointed out that the courts had ordered that no one could publish the name of the taxi driver. The newspaper took offence to that, popped up in court and said that they had the right of freedom of expression under the Charter. And now arrive with me at my point. The lawyers for the newspaper said that in Victoria, we've got a paramount overarching right to freedom of expression, a little bit like what they've got in America under the First Amendment that we hear about pretty frequently. The judge in the case said, well, not really. But then he went on to show how the limitations in Section 15C, I think it was, were like, you know, enough to stop what I was doing like 10 times over. 
and then there's not that's not the only limitations like if if you get out of section 15 and pass through all those considerations there's still section 72 maybe uh, there's another section in the um in the human rights charter where where you can um it's basically up to the judge to to decide whether or not it um this expression can be protected so yeah his his response was crazy but um and yeah what he said about you know terrorists and rapists was really personally insulting and you know the Australian picked up that um that quote and ran that in their paper so just like our friend Reverend Ramsden Kyle was posting bills uh, walking around the city with a bucket of glue and a brush and some blank posters and obscuring these advertisements. And eventually he was caught, arrested, charged, convicted, and he appealed once again to the Supreme Court. Uh, This time, though, he was there in the Supreme Court, this beautiful old well-appointed building in the middle of Melbourne, uh, alone. He was without legal representation and... On the other side of, of the room, there were prosecutors in wigs and gowns and elevated above him was a judge wearing similar garb. With the postering approach, I ran it myself just because I thought I could. I don't know. Didn't think it would make any difference. I guess I wanted to. Um, and, yeah, probably wasn't a good idea because I just wasn't listened to. Um, but I guess it was something I had to do, I don't know, just to, just to prove that it was all completely pointless. I don't think that you should have to have representation to be taken seriously, and it wasn't like I was unable, um, to understand, you know, the, the arguments and the laws involved, but yeah, it was a waste of time. So the tram stop signs and billboards and video screens in train stations uh, and on buildings and and, and everywhere around us are apparently seem to be private property despite the fact that they're constantly exposed to the public at large. And a bucket of glue, some posters, a brush uh, seem to be the instruments of a criminal enterprise. That's again... A simplification, but I also don't think it's an unfair summary. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to keep doing it. I, I can't. I've, I've given up on legal arguments because there isn't one that I can run, and none of them would be listened to anyway. Uh, I'm just going to keep going out, postering, and telling people why I'm doing it. And I guess when it comes to running a defence, I'm always going to plead not guilty, but I'm just going to have to not really run a legal argument and just try to say as much as I can without being shut down by the prosecution and the magistrate. Because, yeah, they're they're always talking about a fair trial and your right to defend yourself, but your right to defend yourself is only within these legal arguments that are available, which completely exclude the motivation that I have for doing what I'm doing. So, you know, there's there's no real right to defend yourself when, when your reasons are excluded. Thank you very much for listening to this, the first episode of The Rule Book. It's probably a pretty good idea for you to subscribe to this podcast. 
using your favourite podcast app. Um, if you don't have a favourite, that doesn't matter. Um, any app will do. Another good idea is checking out the website, which is therulebook.xyz. Yes, that's a real website. And uh, there you can sign up to the mailing list or give us a hot tip um, for a, a story idea, perhaps a WikiLeak that you might like to WikiLeak. Um, don't get me into trouble. Anyway, this episode was produced by me and the music was also by me. Thank you very much to Chex TV, uh, where I sourced the clip about the Ramsden case. And thank you to a couple of Kyle's friends as well, who uh, would prefer not to be named, but were very helpful in, in putting this episode together. This was a Trixie Studio production. Find out more at trixie.xyz.